You are listening to Pastor Ben Eckel of Calvary Chapel, Keweenaw Peninsula, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Tune in each week as Pastor Ben teaches through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Or watch us live on Sunday mornings at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our Facebook page. You can access our library of teachings at www.ccqanon.com. One eighteen, we we get this idea of uh, some of the things Joseph is going to process in the narrative. Joseph, we really don't give him enough credit, do we? It's always about Mary, and it's always about Joseph. Or not Joseph, excuse me, Jesus. And, and, and rightly so, those, those are important key characters. But we have this guy, and I remember one comedian said, there's only two groups of people that get unconditional love, animals and women, right? Men, we don't get any, we just get duty. What's our reward for hard work? More hard work, right? Isn't that true? Like, if you're doing it right, God just says, here's more, <laughs> And so I believe there's a little bit of in here. There's, there's no attaboy. There's no pat on the back. There's really one good thing said about Joseph, and even that isn't attributed to him as the natural man. Uh, so we'll jump into the story. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So if you guys understand Jewish tradition, there were three stages uh, to a, uh, a marriage process. Uh, the first one being engagement. This could happen when the bride and the groom were to be quite young and were often arranged by the parents. Uh, betrothal. Uh, that was um, made the previous engagement official and binding. During this time of betrothal, the couple were known as husband and wife. And a betrothal could only be broken by divorce. Betrothal typically lasted a year. And then there was marriage. This took place after the wedding, after the year of betrothal. So Mary shows up pregnant. Calls Mary. 14 maybe? Hey, Joe. We got to have a talk. Ruh-roh. Think of Joe. How did he feel? Right? Was his first reaction like, oh, man, hmm. we, we got to go get some baby clothes. We got to get a registry going. No, he's, he's got other concerns, right? Um, verse 19 says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Underline that. He's a just man, right? And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. This scenario is presenting a series of very huge dilemmas here. Right? The very first Christmas almost broke up a marriage. Merry Christmas, Joe. Your, your wife's preggers and it ain't yours. Right? And then she's thinking, what would you have what would you think, girls? At 14, you show up and you're pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Who's gonna believe that part of the story? Yeah, it really, it just you what do you think she's going through? And then she's got to go tell him. And so he's got this dilemma because Joseph, being a just man, was an obedient man to the scriptures. He understood what the Bible said about the predicament they're in. 
He has every legal right to divorce her on two levels. Neither of each outcome is necessarily beneficial. In Deuteronomy 23, it says, <coughs> excuse me, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. Then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as wife, and he detested her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of the city shall take the man and punish him. And they shall find him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman, because she has brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. But if the thing is true and the evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of the father's house. And the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she had done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Not very nice, is it? Well, Deuteronomy 24 says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes, because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. So, either way, she's on the receiving end of a bad situation. She could very well be put in harm's way to the point of death. He, he loves Mary, okay? Oftentimes, you're going to find in your walk with the Lord, as you're seeking to be obedient, both Mary and Joseph were noted to be devout people, okay? Just think, you're just trying to get married, you want to set your life up, and then all of a sudden, show up pregnant. It's not like this day and age where you make a TV show out of pregnant moms at 13, right? This in this culture is going to harm them, and we see it does harm them throughout Jesus' ministry. We'll get more to that. But oftentimes, our circumstances in obedience seem contradictory and confusing, don't they? As you step out, you're living a life of just trying to honor God as best as you can, and something comes in and just gives you a hiccup. They got this unexplainable pregnancy on their hands. <laughs> This will cause a strain on the relationship. He wants to put her out. How do you think, men, you would feel? You're about to get married and your girlfriend shows up pregnant. Right? Holy Spirit. Okay. Good one. Good one. Yeah. Did, you know, did your cousin tell you that one? Yeah. Elizabeth? Because she had, you know. <laughs> but this is going to cause a strain on their relationship. They're going to have a strain on their standings with the families in the community. This will affect how he's going to be able to draw income in the future. And we're going to see, like I said earlier, the collateral damage. Because as we read the earthly ministry of Jesus, what did the Pharisees call him? The son of fornication. They called him, a, they called him words that we shouldn't repeat in the eyes or ears of children. right? But he was not looked upon because they knew that he was conceived outside of the betrothal. Or in the betrothal, but not of Joseph. 
And so Mary suffered a lot of shame. Remember at the wedding feast of Canaan, she says, Jesus, is it our time yet? You know, come on, just uh, conjure up a lightning bolt. Let's show them what we can do here. It's going to be used to marginalize and undermine Jesus' earthly ministry. But understand this, the Lord will watermark this experience with his purpose. You know, it's not even about them. Maybe this was to temper them from spiritual pride because they get to raise the God baby. Just think of how prideful. Hey, guys, have you met our son? Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, if you want to come over, just leave the gifts at the door. Yeah, come on over. Yeah. His hands, right? No. Maybe God knew the level of devotion they both already possessed, and he knew that he could trust these two to shoulder such a heavy burden. Either way, this dilemma was to get their attention. You, you can't come out of this dilemma in any human avenue successfully. So what's going to be the solution to this dilemma? It's going to be the vision that the Lord's going to give them. They each get a separate revelation. Isn't that when we get the revelation of God is when you're in a pickle? Right? It's easy when you just live through your habits and your day-to-day -day routine. You don't even need to pray, right? Payday, get your bills, pay your bills, you know, uh, watch TV at this time. But, you know, God throws these little hiccups at us, and all of a sudden, we need to get in tune with what the Holy Spirit's trying to do here. They cannot lean on their own understanding to navigate this really precarious situation. Only God can see them through this one. Verse 20, it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Note that. Did you, did you read the genealogy in chapter 1? Joseph is the legal heir to the throne. However, what's the problem? It's cursed, right? Great, 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 great grandpa blew, blew it. He says, nope, it's not going to come through you. Jesus will be the biological and both the legal heir through Mary's genealogy. But, you know, Jesus oftentimes comes to us, or God comes to us, or an angel, however God speaks to you, and he likes to refer to you as how he sees you versus how you and I see us, right? We can easily start looking at ourselves in the flesh, and we know how, how big of a mess up we really are, okay? We know how carnal we are, and we oftentimes we sit under our own press, and we use it oftentimes as a cop-out. Not to say that he's doing this, but he's saying, son of David. Oh, I'm the 307th heir to the throne, right? As we watched that movie last night, I'm 307 steps away from the throne, you know. Well, do not be afraid to take your, take, excuse me, take you marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. My question is, is, did she tell him that part of the story? So I had a friend, his son got hurt in Iraq. 
And so his son's wife sent a text message. Said, Kevin got blown up. Send. The next message said, but he's all right. <laughs> you ever get those phone calls? Your, or your kids come running in? So-and-so fell out of a tree. You're like, oh, no. You just go to the worst case scenario. When really you should start with everything's okay, but so-and-so fell out of a tree. You know. So did she forget to say that part of conceived by the Holy Spirit? Or, I mean, really, let's just be real. How do you even begin to explain that? Like, I can't explain immaculate conception as a Bible teacher. I just can observe it. It's just, she's got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I don't know how. Maybe she was thinking, he's not even going to understand. Why even bother? Just, just, just take this, this screaming match, you know. He says, don't be afraid. Why did he say that? He was afraid. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I like this. What does Jesus mean? Right? What's that? It's a common name. You go south of Texas and California, I mean, everybody's named Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus means the salvation of Jehovah. But notice how the angel personifies this. For he will save his people from their sins. He's addressing something to Joseph. See, Joseph is a just man. We're going we're gonna to get to that point. But what was the greatest need of Israel what was the greatest need of the world? What is the greatest need of the world today? What is your greatest need? Forgiveness of sin. Right? Just ask your wife. You need to be forgiven for that. Right? <laughs> he will save his people from their sins. See, being a just man, he understood something that his right standing with God didn't just simply come from the sacrificial system or obeying the law, it was in the hope of the Messiah, which was going to come and die in his place to have a right standing with God. So the Savior in whom Joseph is trusting in is now going to be in Joseph's custodial care. What if somebody came and dropped a baby off at your front door and said, this is God, don't, don't let him die. Just, just keep him alive. You know, what, what's our number one goal as parents? Don't kill the baby, right? I mean, the whole day is spent not letting the baby, baby die, right? You learn to be your own vacuum cleaner. You learn to just, you know, put everything up, you know, like the whole day is situational awareness. That, that's what you're in store for. But now you've got God. Careful, Mary, that's God you're, you know, oh, no pressure. <laughs> not only that, he's a child <clears throat> that is not biologically his. In every sense, he's an adopted son, right? World's most famous stepfather. Now, that really doesn't have much bearing on the love of a father. I'm, a, I'm an adoptive father. You know, I don't love my child or children any different because of biology. But in a, in a lot of respects, he doesn't have the skin in the game, let's say, as Mary does. Right? The same son whose death on the cross 
will also allow Joseph to be adopted into God's divine family. Isn't that cool? See, God is a debtor to no man. Like, this may temporarily inconvenience Joseph to have to raise a child that's not his and suffer the shame of the child not being biologically conceived, as most children are, right? But the reward is, rather the free gift is, is he's going to, for all eternity, be in God's family. And Joseph, as he did for baby Jesus, that which baby Jesus couldn't do for him, feed him, shelter him, clothe him, transport him, just general father duties, right? The judge the other day asked me if I was okay doing that for Matthew. You know, you got to feed him, right? Yeah. You got to buy him clothes, right? You know, you got to take care of the legal responsibility, you know. <laughs> I told Matthew, it's the last time we're going to, going to court. You know, we're not going to deal with any of your tomfoolery. But you become a legal responsible person. So we're going to see he does for baby Jesus what baby Jesus couldn't do for himself, but also... The favor will be returned because Jesus is going to do for Joseph as what Joseph couldn't do for himself. Number one, forgive his sins, right? You ever hear people say in church, first thing you have to do is forgive yourself. That is not in the Bible. You don't have the capacity to forgive yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't need a savior, right? What you need to do is realize God has forgiven you, right? He has forgiven you for leaving your phone on in church, right? <laughs> So uh, that was actually me, mine beep too. Um, but not only that, Christ is going to bring Joseph into heaven for all eternity. You know, you look at the, the story of the Garden of Eden. It's that God placed Adam in the garden. Men, you can identify. You know why? Probably couldn't figure out where it was. <laughs> God's like, bro. Let me just do you a favor. Here, he scooped him up, sat him into the garden. Here you are, man. Where was it? It was right there. Oh, well, help me find the butter. It's in the fridge. Yeah. So Jesus is going to do for Joseph what Joseph couldn't do for himself. So Joseph had a key part to play in the salvation of the world. He was a steward of God in the flesh. A helpless God in an infant's body, a preborn boy, he's going to chaperone. We're going to see simply, he's going to take him around the, the, the Middle East, right? He's, he's going to be chaperoned from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Then he's going to have to be chaperoned from Bethlehem to Egypt for a season. He's going to help deliver this helpless baby and place him in an animal trough. You're going to see Joseph is going to bring Jesus to observe the religious feasts. Of Israel. Imagine Jesus' first Passover feast, and he's going, someday that'll be me. <laughs> it's graphic. Have you ever seen a Passover? Like a real Jewish Passover? They, they skewer those lambs. It's bloody. See, so what, 7,000 Passover lambs are slaughtered each day at the temple? Can you imagine what that looked like? As a boy, Jesus is going to follow... Joseph's example, he's going to take on his trade. He's going to go to work every day. And eventually we're going to see Joseph will fade off of the scene. You know, after 12 years of age, we don't see Joseph in Jesus's life anymore. We don't know if he died or he left. All right, the scriptures 
absolutely silent about that. Joseph's task is daunting. He's going to need God's spiritual revelation. You're going to see every step of these, these journeys, God is going to direct Joseph with dreams. And Joseph's actions were always met with immediate obedience, right? We've got to give him credit for that. He's not going to leave Joseph without instruction and having to fend for himself. We see that his marriage was tested from almost day one. His provision, imagine you've got to now bounce around the Middle East for the first, what, two to four years of Christ's life. We don't know how long that whole journey took, maybe two years. But you've got to just pack up your tools and just trust that there's going to be work. This first Christmas is really just the beginning of for Mary and Joseph needing to simply yield to the Lord with childlike faith. It's going to be hard. Christian, do you understand it is hard? When Christ is born into your and I's lives, it didn't get easier. There was a lot of peace, granted, but you find you're signing up for some, some things. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying... Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. You ever look at the names of God and the names of Jesus throughout the entire Bible? You know, the, when you break them down into the Hebrew, you know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, those are fascinating studies. But as you look at the names of Christ, I used to have a poster, you know, where it had like King of Kings and the good shepherd and all the names that you find in the new Testament, but Christ is to us multifaceted because he's your greatest need in any situation, right? And it says here, God is with us. So we know this in an old Testament context that yeah, God is with the nation of Israel. God is going to be <laughs> incarnate, but think of Joseph and Mary, <coughs> excuse me, I got a union break here. You're now on the move. You're navigating some treacherous water. And it's very important to understand that God is with us. God is with you, right? Where you and God go, you make the majority. But when you practice the presence of God in your life, how does that affect your life? God's going to give every one of us a tall drink of water. And in Joseph's case, you know what his tall drink of water was? Living an ordinary life. Isn't it really difficult to just be an ordinary person? You and I may never perform miracles, may never pen scripture, may never give tremendous Bible studies, have any kind of accolades, but you raised your kids, right? None of them died from your negligence, right? You fed them. They went on to find you useless. That's a good parent is when, you know, your kids go, hey, we got it from here. I'm going to go start my own family and wreck their life. <laughs> but you need God in the day-to-day -day mundane things, don't you? To open those utility bills. Oh, man, anyone, anyone go, oh, this is a rough one. We never think about that. You know, I, I like when they pick deacons in the book of Acts. They had to pick men full of the Holy Spirit to do what? Wait tables. Does it take more Holy Spirit to teach a Bible study or to change a diaper? 
Oh, man. No, that's a great stage. We're on real food. Remember those days? The real food diapers? Yeah. Here. How about a bath today, son? Let's just go right to the bath, you know? You learn how to gag, too. You know, oh, 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 what's, what's wrong? Nothing. I got it. God is with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Grab your Bible and underline the word did. Right? Faith without works is dead. You need to act on the revelation in which God is giving you. He did. Faith is a verb. And did not know her until she brought forth her her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph the Just. That's kind of what I've nicknamed him. I actually got two nicknames for him in this. He's Joseph the Just, but he's also Joe Schmo. Right? I had a friend in high school. His brother was nominated the most ordinary man in his class. He was a C-minus, B-plus student, played sports, didn't start, right? Just was your bread-and-butter, all-American, clean-cut boy. And, of course, all his friends just tore him up after that. Oh, Dave, you got the award for being the most non-special kid in the class. Oh, they had fun with him. But people just recognized he was what we would call a bread and butter. A guy who just got up and did his duty every day. He went to school, got the best grades he physically could, took care of himself, played sports, studied. He was that guy. But he wasn't an all-star and he wasn't a burnout. You know, he wasn't a stoner. He was just, he just did the very best he could with what he had. He was ordinary. We have so much pressure these days for everyone that's be like, follow your passion, right? You read, you watch these dumb motivational videos that are on TikTok and why are you successful? Oh, I got up and ran 340 miles every day and I, I drank nothing but water that came from the Himalayas and, you know, all this like performance stuff. And, and it actually breeds discouragement, doesn't it? Anyone here ever start weightlifting and you read muscle and fitness and you're like, I can't afford to drink all that and eat all that. And then they're like, and after 15 years, my biceps grew an inch. You're like, I'd rather just be home and fat, lame, and lazy. <laughs> we can get be discouraged. But Joseph is showing us how to be just an ordinary dude, right? It's okay. The same credit that he's going to get for, I don't know, raising the Son of God, God in the flesh, right? He'll get the reward as you and I will for sweeping the floor at church or teaching a Bible study or whatever God is calling you to do in the most ordinary way. Although he had this kingly lineage, it was cursed. He couldn't even use that. He had no special unctions of the Holy Spirit. He's not like Elijah or, or any of these miracle workers we see in the Bible. We need more Joe Schmoes, don't we? More ordinary dudes. You know, it says he's a just man. And oftentimes we kind of think that he's just this morally upright person. A, a rule keeper. A promise keeper. Whatever happened to those guys? Remember the promise keepers movement? Remember what happened? 
the founder got divorced. It's like, bro, you couldn't keep Ten Commandments. Why did you have to add seven more? You know? He was just. He had a righteousness upon his life that wasn't from his own. I think, this is just me, he was a man who had a keener awareness of his sin nature, of his sinfulness. That kept a close leash to God. He was aware he wasn't all that. He wasn't externally righteous. He, he, he didn't do anything that was super apostle. In fact, he probably blew it a lot. And he's just like, man, you know, I cannot keep all 614 commandments of the law, let alone barely make it to the temple to do sacrifices. This drove him deep into God, I believe. Just being aware of his sin nature, he knew it wasn't the blood of the goats and the bulls of the sacrifice that cleansed and took away his sin. He knew that the letter of the law only produced death. He, by faith, understood the importance of looking at what the Messiah was going to do for him. He was looking forward, right? He didn't have the whole Bible yet. He was looking forward that one day God will send a deliverer, a redeemer, an intercessor, somebody who will stand in the gap on behalf of his sinful nature going, hey, he's with me. See, we're going to see righteousness from God isn't just he sweeps your sin under the mat, does he? He doesn't just forgive your sin. He also imputes his righteousness. So he just turns around and gives you the Visa Black card. And he says, you have every right and responsibility of a child of the king. You have perks. You have advantage. You have privilege. You have God's favor on your life. So it isn't just he pays your debt, but he imputes to you a whole world for you to walk in. You know, you think of the, the story of the uh, prodigal son. Remember, he comes back to daddy and his dad puts the ring on his finger. You know, we don't use this kind of stuff in today's uh, imagery, right? But that ring was a signet ring. It was, you are now back in the kingdom, and this is a seal. You would stamp letters. You would, you would identify you are royalty. But it carried responsibility. And so Joe was a just man, not based on his righteousness, not based on his observance of the law, but on his faith. We know from Romans, if you're taking notes, we're going to be in Romans 3. This just sums it up real nice for us. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, it is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier 
of the one who has faith in Jesus. I like that. He's the just and the justifier. That means there's nothing you and I can add to it. Justification, it really means just as if I've never sinned. Do you know God sees you and I, as you're born again, if you're walking in the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit's in your heart, He sees you without sin. You positionally are, sin, are sinless to God. There's, there's nothing between you and Him. Practically. Now there's things that we're going to work out, right? That's sanctification, of course. But that's why, that's why it's written to us. It says, boldly go into the throne room of grace and obtain mercy on the day that you need it. Like, you have access to Dad's office 100%. He says, where is boasting then? It is, a, it, it, excuse me, it is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We are justified by faith. God said it. I believe it. It's settled. Your salvation is not a feeling. Your right standing with God is not a feeling. It's, it's a written promise. I believe Joseph is a true son of David because it goes on to tell us about David in Romans 4. In the next verse over, Romans 4 verses 5 through 8, it says, But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. David, right, such a godly righteous man, you know, as he was watching the neighbor girl take a bath one day and then, slipped and fell, and he called her over to his apartment, and oops, next thing you know, a baby shows up. And then how does he solve the problem? Hey, let's take her husband and fake his death, right? Let's set him up for an ambush so he dies, and problem solved. He's an adultering murderer, and he's writing to us this. <laughs> Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom God, for who the Lord shall not impute sin. That's a son of David. David. David just knew how to repent. David knew how to fall back on the word of God. He, he was a train wreck in a lot of respects. Joseph, his son, his great-great-grandson here, has that same heart. Keep short accounts with God. Know your word. Know what God says about us. Right? So let's, let's have more Joe Schmoes, shall we? Ordinary guys called to do extraordinary tasks. That's what the body of Christ needs. Live an extraordinary but ordinary life. And so with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for just ordinary people. People who just live day to day in the long haul, simply doing what you put in front of them. Lord, you told us that your commands are not hard, that if we love you, we will obey you. And I believe Joseph loved you. And he simply was an obedient person because he was motivated by his love. And so, Lord, let that heart be in us as well. And so we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.